from the frozen tundra known as Locker Room Studios. It is Friday, February 1st, 2019, and you are tuned into Season 3, Episode 5 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking Dean Ambrose, New Japan, AEW, NXT, WOW, and of course, some WWE. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Twitch, and Facebook, Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the man seduced by the evils that are the Wednesday locker room, the real RBB. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R of the B to the B. Rick Vickery back once again, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'll tell you what, man, it is freezing outside. It is ice cold. But I'm looking at the card we have got today. Absolutely stacked. This is going to be a red hot show, baby. It is a balmy negative seven degrees with a negative 27 below wind chill. Rick, this winter is stupid and I'm done with it and I'm ready to move to Florida. Yeah, at this point, every time, you know, I look at I look at our local weather here in northern Ohio. I, I just can't help you know it, it's colder than it is colder than hell here but man at least i'm not where you're at and then when i think where you're at i look up at like uh like fargo and all that where they've like got the windshield of like negative 75 and come on it could always be worse absolutely ridiculous you know the one it really hit me the other day it was 70 degrees in the room i was sitting in at work and that was 92 degrees warmer than it was outside 92 freaking degrees. You know what I realized? I, I realized when I woke up this morning, the temperature when I woke up, it was like negative four. And, you know, it had been, it dipped even lower than that throughout the night. And I still am sleeping with my fan on. Oh, my gosh. I still sleep with my TV on. I put on Monday Night Raw and it puts me to sleep. Let's go ahead, Huckleberry. Let's jump into the wonderful world of pro wrestling. And let's start off with your boy. Uh, yeah, Blair the Airhorns, it's time to talk about some Dean Ambrose. Huggleberry, this has got to be the story of the week. Wade Keller at PW Torch reporting through three different sources, mind you, that Dean Ambrose has informed the WWE he will not be re-signing with the company after WrestleMania. It's sometime in April when his contract is due. They offered him a million dollars a year. For the next five years, so he's walking away from $5 million. Renee Young, of course, his wife, still works for the company, and they really want us to believe that Dean Ambrose is leaving. Huckleberry, I guess I'll, I'll toss it to you. The man on the pulse, being from Cincinnati yourself, is this a work or a shoot? You know, as, as I put over Wednesday in the locker room, you know, I, hey, I, I go way back. With, uh, with Mr. Ambrose, uh, John Moxley. I happened to be there for his first match. It was in the HWA Heartland Wrestling Association when he broke in. He won their version then of what you know WWE has tough enough. 
It was called uh, Make Me a Star. Uh, he was the winner there. I, I remember being there in the arena for his match and getting to see him, you know, kind of grow through the independence, getting that, you know, that big deal, that big payoff with WWE. And, and of course, you know, it's been a bit of a lackluster run for him, you know, there in the Fed. But hey, you know, always rooting and pulling for a guy that's from Cincinnati. So, guys, did you say Mr. Keller, he has referenced three. Inside sources? Three inside sources. Okay. Well, I, you know, I did a little bit of uh, snooping myself and reached out to uh, a few sources that are in the know that are actually good friends with him. Uh, it came up with him at a hand in preparing him for this career. And everything that, everything that I'm getting, this is a complete this is a complete work. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I fell. It took me uh, all of about eight hours before I had come to the conclusion that what, – what was it that you said, Rihanna? Work, 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 work. Uh, yeah, it's a work, 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 work. Uh, you know, they really had me, Huckleberry. I was all in on this work. You see what I did there? All in. I was all in on the work. And then WWE had to go and release that stupid statement that said that, you know, John Good, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, has informed the company he will not be re-signing and blah, 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 blah. They never do that. They legitimately never do that. Even when they grant somebody their release, like another man that we're going to talk about here shortly, we know a man has been granted his release from the WWE. Guess what they didn't issue? A statement. They never do this shit. Well, it, you know, there's it, this is, it's a lot deeper than them just coming out here and, you know, going a different avenue than they ever have before. A lot of this thing, the... The undertones in this story are subtle jabs at the situation that we saw with CM Punk. Yep, absolutely. You know how un, how unhappy he was. Let's just go even go back and, and give it to WWE. You know, until they maybe stumbled a little bit by releasing that statement, they should have played this thing out uh, just like it was any anyone else departing from the company. You know, but they they were doing a great job of this. You know, we talked about Monday in the locker room. Now, how surprised we were, you know, that Black got that big elimination on Ambrose. Mm -hmm. And it seemingly came out of nowhere. I mean, what a great opportunity for Black to really make a statement, throwing out a main eventer, a former WWE champion out of the Rumble. A great introduction to the to the majority of the universe there. And then, you know, he comes out. He challenges Seth Rollins. They put over the fact that, that Rollins hasn't been able to take him down clean. He gets that. You know, he takes that big pinfall there. We come back, and I saw some people, too, some rumblings. Uh, I think it might have been Will over on Facebook and Hami Media Discussion Group, uh, William Alcia, great reporter for uh, Last Word on Pro Wrestling. You know, he was kind of – he was wondering – if Dean had a hot mic and they cut him off, which you know immediately wasn't buying into because they had his, they had the entire break to get him out of the ring there. Uh, they had his music playing. And so, and so it was set up, you know, where it looked like he was going to give you something that seemed like a, a pipe bomb of sorts, because he was like, let me get real here for a moment. Ooh, we're going to cut that right off. That's another jab there at CM Punk. Then when they bring out, you know, Naya, just to continue that little bit of uh, teasing the men and women, intergender wrestling stuff. You know, furthermore, people are thinking like, oh, man, they just made Ambrose look really bad. So it wasn't that big of a surprise when the news broke that he had requested this or he had told them he would not be resigning. You know, not a release, but he would not be resigning. So this was all playing together quite well. But, you know, they go ahead and release that thing. Now, with me. They should have done here. Don't really, don't make that announcement, or even that you have done that. Go ahead and grant him his release right now. Just be like, you know what? We we have come to terms. 
we don't really need him for the, for this run through WrestleMania. He said he's not resigning. Uh, we've actually had conversations. He would like to leave early. He's out of here. Get him out of sight, out of mind, little mention of him, and let him go work the independence for a couple a couple weeks here. And then, you know, really oversell that. Everything goes back to John Moxley. Let him go work independence, come back to Ohio, hit some big shows. And then, then have him just reappear through the crowd because, hey, right here's a perfect time for it. Fastlane is the last marquee before WrestleMania. And that still gives you like five weeks of build. And where is Fastlane it's at in, this and, year? And it just happens to be in Cleveland, Ohio, the, the home state of one Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Are, as things stand right now, are you anticipating going to Fastlane? Uh, at, at this point, I, I know that uh, Craig Horsley, he has reached out to me. He wants to possibly hit it up. Hey, once again, hey, WWE, if anybody out there with any connection, any pool with WWE can, can hear my voice, answer my emails for my press request. Uh, I'll sure as hell, you know, go then. But I, right now, you know, it's it's one of those stopgaps. And, and they haven't done anything to show me otherwise in years past that this is going to be a pay-per-view that, that's worthwhile to attend. Yep. Yep. No, I completely agree. Uh, now, if, now, if I saw something happening, like what I just laid out with Ambrose, you know, and that could possibly be the return there where he starts a program with Triple H, I, I think that would sway me. I think the program's already started. Um, I think the program. I mean, where that really, where that really kicks it into the next gear, because let's even be honest, you know, you don't really want to jump in to that pool, to that deep end right now, because Triple H ain't going to be there every week working this thing. No. No. He'll make the he'll make the appearances that he needs from fast lane on. Yep. Uh, so he, this is what I've heard, and I've heard this for weeks now that the intention is to do Dean versus Hunter at WrestleMania. I've been hearing that for quite a while. Obviously, what is the common thread between the two of them? Obviously, it's Seth Rollins. Uh, what we saw Monday on Raw when we saw Dean get up in Hunter's face and say, this doesn't concern you. And then Hunter turning around and saying, everything that happens in this ring concerns me. That was the, that was the first shot. That's what told me that, yeah, th this program is going to happen. Then as Hunter was getting out of the ring and Ambrose kind of playing along with him, like he's going out of the ring too, th they're obviously setting up a program here between Dean and Hunter. Now, if we go off of Mr. Keller's report, the brass knew about this over the course of the weekend. They knew about this before the Royal Rumble. Why would you turn around and do that Monday on Raw if you know that he's leaving the company in April? Yeah, I, you just you don't put the effort, you don't you don't put forth the effort to, in a roundabout way, give Dean that shine. They bury that motherfucker, write him off TV as faster than you can say woo-ha. You know what? Yeah, they don't let him because Dean. Hey, on the bike in there, he was getting some great some great jabs in. He mm -hmm. was verbally, you know, he was shining out there, and they're they're not going to do that for him. So you know, but here I guess is the beautiful part of your WWE. Even though, I mean, that was so obvious to see. I mean, the vast majority are buying into this, that he's exiting them, yeah. that he that he wants to leave, and that he's as good as gone. And it's all because of AEW. It's also because of what we've heard about with the revival. Uh, it's what's going on with Hideo Itami. It, what's going on with Velveteen Dream down in NXT. If I'm Velveteen Dream, I'm pissed because this is my gimmick. I've been working this for weeks now. Don't be stealing my my thunder here. Hey, who's to say that Velveteen didn't even catch word of this thing and it started taking going into business for himself? 
you know, I know you had mentioned that in my, my reply to that, we, we were having a private conversation about it was it, dreams, not ready for, for something like that. You know, this is, this is the perfect scenario with the, with the right talents to pull this off right now. Yep. I, I agree on that part completely. So Dean versus Hunter at Mania, does that match do anything for you? If that is in fact the WrestleMania match, which it does sound like it is kind of up in the air because they don't know if Hunter is going to be cleared. Let's remember, he is coming off a torn pectoral muscle. He, he just got cleared to start working out again. Uh, it was just, uh, what was it, maybe 10 days, 10 maybe, days ago that yeah, he had posted. Well, he had posted that he was back in the gym. Oh, and yep. he was talking about how sore he was from, you know, and it's Hunter, though, man. He's going to jump. You know, he's going to go full steam back into this thing. He, he's not going to He's not going to ease. He's not going to ease in anything. Hey, let's also remember uh, he's not susceptible to the wellness testing. Yeah, Hunter will look great come WrestleMania. That is for sure. He he will be ready. You know, since he's had that training, he's going to have 10, 11, 12 weeks to get ready for this thing. Now, I think what, you know, when you were mentioning bringing this kind of thing full circle, we've seen Hunter and, and Roman and Hunter and Rollins at WrestleMania. So it's kind of fitting that Dean, you know, that third shield member is going to get this opportunity. What's really interesting to me is this time around Hunter will come in as the face and the shield member, the heel. Yeah, that is a bit odd. Uh, Let's just assume for a second. And I almost want Hunter to win this one. So that Dean is once again, you know, on, you know, seen on that level just below the other two. I think you could do a thing with Dean Ambrose, kind of like what they're doing with Nikki Cross, where he's so damn crazy that he doesn't necessarily care if he wins or lose because he's all about, you know, just inciting chaos. I I, I could get behind that with Dean Ambrose if they told that story. That's kind of where I find Nikki Cross right now. You know, long term, that long term, if, if Dean is the one of the three that has lost to Triple H at WrestleMania, to me, that fuels more of, of that crazed desire within him, like, a you know, it holds more true to someone he's always been compared to. Well, maybe even two of them, you know, it, it drives him more in the direction of a Piper and a Pillman. Yes. You know, cause it's something that's just eating away at his psyche. Yep. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to Dean here in just a second. Uh, let, let's go ahead. Let's, well, actually let's, let's stay on Dean. Let's just assume for a second that this is in fact a shoot. All right. Let, let's kind of go off of that premise. I'm hearing a lot of talk about where Dean Ambrose should go, what Dean Ambrose should do. Uh, One thing that is being reported, this is not because Dean wants to leave wrestling. That was my initial assumption was it's like, dude, he just came back from an injury. Is it unfeasible that Dean Ambrose just realized I don't want to do this anymore? That, that, that seemed much more likely to me than Dean Ambrose being like, no, I'm not happy with my contract. I'm not happy with my creative. I'm out of here. Uh, it just doesn't seem like that's necessarily Ambrose's kind of cup of tea. He's more of a, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, if this thing is by any means a shoot, where do you want to see Dean Ambrose end up? Well, as many of, you know, anyone that's following over on Facebook and how many media discussion group, you know, this was in, in, in all the you know wrestling circles, uh, for, you know, hot debate, but. You know, for me, everyone was sitting there, oh, AEW, oh, he'd be great in New Japan or MLW, you know, all these major indies, you know, they, they want him there. To me, throw all that out, man. I want him to come home. The OHIO, come back to Southern Ohio where it all started, you know, where, where he cut his teeth. 
I'm thinking of all the great matchups he could have in the premier promotions that we have running, you know, just not Southern Ohio, but all of Ohio, but especially, you know, like Battle on the Border that I'm involved with. You got future great wrestling getting ready to, uh, you know, to have their first show here and, and heavy ties there to his trainer, Cody Hawk, uh, Rockstar Pro that has the ties with the OV, OVE group. Come on, man. That's like dream scenarios. Yeah, to me, of all the things that are a possibility out there, put back together the Switchblade conspiracy. That's what I want to see. Right, give me some Sammy Callahan and Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, John Good, whatever the the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call it. Hey, you, you know, hey, we're talking. Let's you know, if we're saying hypothetical, this is a shoot. He wants to get the hell out of WWE. Could, could this could that be an actual bigger picture here? I mean, could this be him making the first move on behalf of his wife, who really wants to get the hell out of there? I mean, look what they've done to her, you know, just since they put her on the commentary. I mean, she has essentially become uh, a Brian Saxton that sits down the peak. Yeah, Renee has become pretty awful. And, and she is so talented. She is so gifted when it comes to her craft. You know, there's, there's bigger oceans for her to conquer. Yeah, you know, she could easily go to ESPN, uh, all this money that Fox is spending in their in their sporting divisions. You know, you tell, tell me they wouldn't want to have her somewhere. I, I think the biggest thing, if this is in any way, shape or form a shoot, I don't even think that necessarily the loss of Dean Ambrose is that vital to the WWE. I think that the loss of the third shield member in WWE's eyes is much bigger than losing Dean Ambrose. Are we ever going to get the shield back together? I guess that's the real question here going forward. Do we have enough time between now and the end of April when he leaves? Can we conclude this storyline? Because there's no way Dean Ambrose can walk out with him and Seth at odds and Roman off with cancer with everything that Dean has said that I, I don't see that being Dean Ambrose's style either. If this thing is going to end, it's got to end with the three fists together. Yeah, I don't know where where you really come to that, man. I know because it, it would it would take some time to bring that around because Dean's done some terrible things considering the circumstances, you know, from a from a KFAB standpoint. Yeah, I mean, Hunter even referenced it Monday on Raw. Your your friend that's off battling leukemia again, you know, I, I the whole thing screams. What is it again, Rihanna? Work, 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 work. Uh, let's talk about one that we know is a shoot, Hideo Itami. Now, Kenta Kobashi, once again. Uh, what do you think of Hideo? Hideo has officially requested his release. He has been granted his release. We didn't see a big press release wishing Kenta the best in his future endeavors, um, let alone, you know, that we hope that one day he returns to the company. That was the weirdest goddamn press release I've ever read in my life when it comes to Ambrose. Uh, I think this is a great move for Hideo. Get the hell out of there while you still can. Uh, but Rick, I guess the other part of this story that not nearly enough people are talking about is pro wrestling. Noah was sold the same day that Hideo Itami requests his release. I cannot believe that those two things are not related whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I can't, Oh, it was big Ray who had posted this thing. You know, he came out the story and, and immediately AEW bound AEW bound. And I just put out a reply there. And if, if I, if I see one more person, you know, when it comes to a release or talents screaming AEW about AEW about, I'm just going to reach out and, and just freaking strangle. Okay, people, let's let's be realistic about situations here. You know, when, when Kenta came to WWE, there was high hopes. You know, he was going to be that, that flag bearer for you know 
building that bridge to the east and that first major star they want to come over. Unfortunately, you know, the injuries got him. Yeah. Kenta has been a victim of terrible timing all the way around since he got to the WWE. Injuries and timing have gotten to him. And by the time he was ready, you had already had a wave of great Japanese stars come over here. So the the novelty of him was gone. Mm-hmm. You know that uniqueness that you have, and then as he and he gets something going and injury after injury, it, it just it just wasn't meant to be for him. You know, it just, just wasn't in the card. So now what he has what he has to do is regroup, go find that passion, and go find you know where he's really going to thrive, and that is back in his homeland of Japan. Yeah, I, I think he goes back to Noah for sure. Well, and I think if you're Noah, I mean, you got these new owners, and and you're looking to. You know, you, you got to make a big move to get back in the game over there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you Noah's fallen so far behind. You know, especially you know the leader in New Japan. They need something like that, and Kenta is that name for them. They, they could build. You know, he's got the the rich history there. You know, he it can easily become the face of that company. And now, even you know, in some ways, he is more of an international star. Probably not as you know he had hope going when he went home. But at least he has a little bit of that. Yeah, I I could see Hideo Kenta, whatever you want to call him. I could see him doing some spot shows for AEW, kind of like I've been talking about Kenny Omega doing, where I think he's still going to reside in Japan. I think that Kenny is going to reside in New Japan. I don't think he's leaving New Japan, but that doesn't mean that he can't come over and do all in. He can't come over and do double or nothing. He can't come over and do all out. I just don't think that he's going to be based in the States. I feel the same way about Hideo. Well, what if, uh, you know, because there was obviously, we don't know how deep it runs, how hurt feelings might be, or you know, the level of tensions between the two sides. But we know there was some sort of disagreement or something didn't sit so easy between All In and New Japan. Yes. With a name like Kenta, who is familiar with the West and a, a tremendous talent, you know, when he's on his A game, could you see... All elite trying to form an alliance with Noah now. No, you know if, if they're going to see a, a new direction, a new dedication. No. Um, while I agree with it in theory, I agree with it in principle. Well, that's, that's why I'm asking you because I mean I don't know you know how that really works over there. I mean, would that be like the ultimate sign of disrespect? Would you know that would that just completely destroy any potential working relationship with New Japan going forward? Uh, I mean, probably. What would be the scoop there? Uh, pro- it, it probably would destroy any relationship with New Japan going forward, but I, I don't think see that as being part of the equation. Uh, you referenced it earlier. Noah has fallen, and Noah has fallen on hard times, and they have fallen hard. As Noah has fallen, we have seen All Japan Pro Wrestling has taken a, a huge step forward. We're seeing DDT now starting to take a step forward. Dragon Gate has taken a huge step forward. Stardom has taken a huge step forward. You're looking at they are maybe the fifth or sixth most popular pro wrestling company inside of Japan right now. I don't see All Elite hitching their their themselves to that wagon. I could see them bringing in... Uh, Kenta, I could see them bringing in Maru Fuji, but outside of those two guys, I just don't see it. Well, I mean, maybe where it's not like a tight working relationship, but yeah, but a loose base like that. Now, well, let me throw this at you. You know, if they have fallen so far that you're looking at, you know, sixth in your marketplace, I see a lot more worth here in Kenta. Could maybe even an all Japan or new Japan make a play for him? 
I could see that. I think uh, the, the big thing, and, and we know this, and following Japanese culture, especially following New Japan over the last couple of years, loyalty and honor means so much to the Japanese people. I think that Kento will do anything that he can to go back to Noah and try to resurrect that brand, kind of like we've seen Pac do with Dragon Gate. Well, it would really got me thinking about that, and I and I was kind of, and I wanted to kind to uh, you know really you know tap your knowledge on what the situation was over there before I threw this out here. But you know, for a long time, we have talked about this for you know since we've been on the air. You know, the Western expansion, New Japan trying to move into the West, and when you do that, obviously you're going to have to compete with the WWE. And if you want to be the best, I mean, you have to be able to to make. And we have seen a lot of these Japanese stars, and now we've got Kushida, who's leaving New Japan. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. He's going to WWE. We've seen Nakamura do that. We've seen Kenta do that. Could this be more of a, an inside take of, okay, we can't really train you because we don't fully understand how they're doing it over there. So go work there for a little bit. Get that money and then come back, and you'll immediately be a bigger star worth more to us because of your international presence and you know how to work that style. And so essentially it's like an inside job. Or could we be seeing that a lot from, you know, especially new Japan right now? I think we listen too much to the conspiracy horsemen. I mean, yeah, you can draw all those parallels. All of it makes sense. And especially if we ever see Hideo Itami return to the WWE, we're, we're, we're going to get that reference. Oh, they sent Hideo over there to be a stooge and, and try to bring people over from Japan. There was a lot of talk about that when he went over no, and did that no, one-off no, with Maru Fuji. What I'm saying the other way, is it New Japan saying, all right, they're going to pay you a lot of money. Go learn that Western sports entertainment style because we want to implement that later. It's a reverse thing. And, and I, it, I started thinking about it. I've done it myself in, in marketing. I went through Google's training program. I went through the entire thing with them under the impression that I was interested in a job. I was going to move to their headquarters. I went through a couple week program for this thing. And then I got through it, graduated. They're finally like, okay, when can you relocate? We're ready to have you start. And I pulled back. I said, well, you know what? You taught me everything about how to drive your SEO on the cheap on the back end. I don't need you anymore because I'm just using this to further my own business. I mean, when it comes to New Japan, I, that's kind of what excursion is. I mean, you, you go to Mexico and Mexico is all about the pageantry, right? And then you come to the States and it's a bit of a blend between the pageantry and the in-ring style. And then you come back to Japan and, and you kind of bring all that entire package forward. I we, we Especially the generation that we're seeing right now, if you go back and you watch some of the impact from about five years ago, you're going to see guys like Tanahashi. You're going to see guys like Sonata. You're going to see guys like Okada. If you go back, well, not, not five years ago, maybe 10 years ago now uh they they do that a lot now they send them to ring of honor and we're seeing a huge influx there they're sending them to rev pro they're they're getting a lot I, more i there. know but if, so, but if you're going secret agent excursion you know if they're going to rev or they're going to ring of honor they ain't getting the paydays and they're not getting the same experience that they're getting by going over to wwe for a five-year deal we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about kushida uh and when we get to some new japan uh 
Another couple names that we do know officially are going to AEW are leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Rick, one of these is kind of in your backyard known as Kentucky. The Kentucky gentleman, Chucky e. T, and his best friend, Trent Beretta. The best friends are finishing up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're finishing up with Ring of Honor. Sorry, this kind of spoils that Juice Robinson versus Beretta match, doesn't it? Uh, but the best friends are heading for AEW. Good get for AEW. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't think it's going to move the needle or anything like this. I think they're they're great talents to have on hand. I think they're both they're they're great individual workers. Uh, I really like the best friends together as a tag team. I think the bigger thing here, though, is Rick. They're really building up this tag team division. It seems as though they really want to put an emphasis on tag team wrestling. Obviously, you have the Young Bucks, you have SCU. Now we're bringing in the best friends. Tons of talk about the Lucha Brothers heading this way. You know, that's one thing that we rag on throughout the entire world of professional wrestling is tag team wrestling is so down right now. Could you see AEW trying to really rejuvenate tag team wrestling, especially when you got Cody Rhodes at the head of the company? Well, I was going to say not even Cody Rhodes, but the the, the young bucks. I think, you know, if you didn't have an emphasis on tag team wrestling when you've been regarded as uh, the best tag team in the world for, you know, damn, what, the past decade, maybe? Yeah. And, of course, the WWE's big tag team tournament, it's the Dusty it's the Dusty Classic. I mean, that Dusty Rhodes was known for his emphasis on tag team wrestling when he was a booker. I was just saying, it's not that far-fetched that Cody would be a big fan of tag well, team wrestling. I think wrestling. When, you, when you put that all in there, but, I mean, just on the surface, you don't got to look any further than the surface you know that top layer the young bucks if we don't look any deeper than the surface we're fucking Meltzer I don't know you know this I mean this Sunday I think you said man a great talent but this really reminds me of like like when uh the the midnight rockers left the a the AWA and came to the WWF as the rockers you know it we're gonna get a fun exciting team but I don't think it's gonna move the needle at all are you saying that Chucky e. T is gonna throw Trent Beretta through a plate glass window Possibly. Hopes and prayers to Trent. I guess the thing that really bothers me here is these two aren't going to split up. Chucky's been doing the crazy eye shit for months. I was ready for these two to split up and feud. It's going to be like the Adam Cole babyface turn. It's just never going to happen. You know what what this was? This was a must signing for AEW to stay relevant uh, in, in the race here for promotion dominance. They freaked out when they realized they didn't have a rival to Ryder and Hawkins. Oh, jeez. How bad was that on Monday? I can't believe that they had I actually like that. I like that. I, I just can't believe that they, they had them lose. It feels like a rib. Um, so, Huckleberry. You know, I, you got to build up to that big win, man. You couldn't just give that away on a raw like that. We got we to gotta keep the streak intact. Oh, the stupid-ass streak. Uh, Huckleberry, I'm going to let you do something that I don't let you do very often. You went out and you got us an interview for today. So I am going to let you toss to the interview. Right. Hey, very excited to bring this extraordinary talent to our listeners. Uh, introduce him to a, a plethora of pro wrestling enthusiasts. It's going to be a real treat, uh, a, a tremendous passion for the business from an early age. Someone that's a little bit of old school mixed with the new, you know, believes in that character telling that story, but's not afraid to get out there and show how athletic he is. I hope everyone enjoys this as much as much as we have. 
Here is our interview with Eric Fallen. What's up, Pete's Freaks and Geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media, and of course, in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo, I'm here with my favorite Huckleberry, but let's give it up for our guest today, hailing from the gem city of Dayton, Ohio, and the pro wrestling hotbed known as Ohio. With over a decade's experience of exciting audience, he is known as the paranormal, the systematic Eric Fallen. Mr. Fallen, welcome to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. As is customary for first-time guests on the show, we always like to go back to the very beginning, before the paranormal, before the systematic, before the creation of Eric Fallen. What was it that pulled you into this world of professional wrestling, and where did you learn to run the ropes? Uh... Well, like many, you know, I grew up with it, watched it as a kid. Um, you know, it was a big part of my life, a uh, big part of my house, uh, household, you know? So, I mean, that's, uh, that's all I did. You know, it was just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling every Monday night, every Saturday morning, you know, every, whenever it was on, I was there, you know, uh, glued in front of the television. And, uh, you know, like many, you know, I, I grew up wanting to do it, you know, wanting to be a part of it, just didn't know how to get involved with it. And, um, I graduated high school in, uh, 2001 and, uh, I made it my mission to, this is what I was going to do. So I had, I, uh, I went out to Cincinnati to, uh, the HWA headquarters at the time with, uh, Les Thatcher. And, um, you know, I went, had an interview with him and figured out, um, all the things I had to do to, um, you know, sign up and, uh, come to the school and, uh, learn how to do it. And, uh, you know, he gave me the rundown and gave me a tour and, uh, introduced me to a few people and, uh, you know, off I went, you know, but, um, as I was, uh, saving up money to, uh, go to the school, um, I came across some hard times and, uh, you know, I had some car issues and, uh, you know, some job issues at the time, you know, I was young, you know, just figuring things out. And, uh, you know, unfortunately my, uh, all my money that I saved for wrestling school, I ended up having, uh, trying to get a new car. So, uh, yeah, it kind of sidelined me for a while, but, um, I think it was like two or three years later. Um, I hooked up with, uh, some boys, um, down, uh, Middletown and, uh, you know, they, they told me that, uh, you know, you're, we've seen some stuff on you, you know, you're pretty athletic, you know, we'd like to see if you want to come and be a part of uh, this promotion. And I went down there and I watched it and, uh, I think it was called, uh, XBW or something at the time. And, um, I was, uh, I was, you know, I was intrigued of wanting to get back into it. I just, you know, I, I just didn't know how to, I didn't know the right ways of getting back into it the way that I was told to get into it. Cause the way I, I was told the right way to get into it, you know, I, uh, I feel like I kind of got burned on that one. 
So as I was trying to save up money to, you know, go to the, go to a wrestling school again, you know, at the time I was still young, you know, these guys uh, gave me a chance to just come in here and see what I, you know, could do. And, uh, you know, get in the ring and do it. And, you know, as a young kid, you know, you very foolish, very, uh, ignorant. I didn't, uh, I, I forgot completely all about, you know, paying, you know, going and uh, spending a lot of money to, uh, get professionally done, get professionally trained. And I just figured, okay, well, I'm athletic enough. I can get in here. I can run the ropes. And I, you know, I, I know enough from what I've seen. I can get in here and, um, give it my, you know, give it my own, give it my best. And, uh, unfortunately <laughs> it, it took a long time for me to, uh, learn the business the right way and, uh, learn the ropes the right way. Well, uh, Mr. Fallen, Rick Vickery here. I was gonna say, you're talking about, you know, that journey to, you know, learning the ropes and all that. I have to say, you know, I had, I had heard your name, but it wasn't until August of 2018 at battle on the border eight that I had the privilege to experience your work firsthand. And I have to say, you know, I was immediately drawn towards the persona and really your work in general. It, it seems yeah, as if it, it was because, you know, it seems as not to cut you off there. It, it seems as, yeah. as if, you know, Eric, Eric Vaughn on the surface, you know, is that hard nosed, uh, you know, very few friends, loner type, but we really begin to dive deeper know into that personality you know what drives it it seems to be more about like shaking the psyche of the opponent and really consuming them from within and to kind of turn that on them i mean it, it's pretty intense and it had to be intense developing and involving that persona I, i'm really interested to hear you know as you were talking about learning the business the right way and how you began to develop the eric fallen persona and how you've made that evolve you know over your run well um few years back, um, I got invited to, um, come and work at a promotion called IPWA. And, uh, back then there was a guy, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. I think it was, um, Tim Armstrong. I think that was the guy's name who ran it. And, uh, he was, um, with a promoter called, uh, JT Thrush. And, um, you know, they, this was before the whole Eric Fallen gimmick, you know, I, uh, I was trying to find myself, you know, I was trying to find something to be different because when I, when I first got into it, I was doing this like little rave gimmick, you know, I was, uh, it was, it was something I, you know, used to do as a teenager, you know, I'd go to parties and raves and all that. So I kind of figured, okay, well I'll just use this, you know, and, and, and I'll, you know, I'll do this dancing thing and be this dancing gimmick, kind of like a Scotty too hottie thing. Well, you know, that was kind of running its course. It was, it was a little cheesy and, and I was just beyond that. So, you know, I went to them and I, I said, well, I, I need something different. You know, I, I want something different. And, uh, you know, he came up to the whole idea of, you know, let's, let's give you something darker, you know, let, let's, let's run with a darker thing with you. And he's like, I'll give you a week to come up with something. Um, if you can come up with something in a week, then, um, you know, we'll run with it. So for a week, man, I'm sitting here scratching my brain. What can I do? What can I come up with? Well, I was watching, uh, the crow one night and I got Eric from, uh, that character. I thought that was a cool, you know, the whole Eric thing. I thought that would have been a cool thing. And then I was like, well, well where can I get the last name at? And I'm, and I'm scratching my head. Uh, do I want it to be night? Do I want it to be some sort of Gothic thing? Like what, what, what can I do? And, um, I ended up, uh, walking around the mall one day brainstorming 
just seeing if I could get some ideas. And I came across a, uh, a skateboarding shoe called Fallen. And for some reason, it just clicked. And, um, you know, off, off to the races we went, you know, there I had my name. And uh, then it was up to me to try to create it as much as possible. And I knew I, knew I didn't want to rip off Undertaker. I didn't want to rip off Vampiro. I didn't want to rip off Muda. You know, but I wanted to take certain elements from each of these characters and put them in like kind of like in a blender and uh, put my own spin on it and see, you know, what could happen, you know, and a lot of influence behind Eric Fallen with the different things that I've done is uh, from the band uh, Rammstein, you know, like I do things with um, pyrotechnics, with these outfits that I created, with these masks that I've created. You know, so it's kind of like horror and sci-fi and uh, all that, you know, just bunched up into one. And there you go. You know, that's anything that I can do outside of the box or be different. You know, I strive to do it. And um, it's a constant battle. Well, I heard that you were you're a major Halloween fan. I, you have to use that for, you know, for inspiration as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, huge Michael Myers, Mark. And, uh, you know, I am. Um, I've taken some things from the Michael Myers character as far as the, um, you know, the, the, um, the anticipation, you know, how he, how he moves, how he walks. I've kind of used some elements out of that, but at the same time, man, you know, I'm a very athletic guy, man. You know, I've always been athletic my whole life. Um, been in gymnastics, been in martial arts. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I have that big man, persona about me where you know i guess you know it's kind of like a, the stereotype people think oh because i'm big i'm supposed to move slow i'm supposed to do things in a slow calculated you know way but at the same time it's like they're not expecting to see a, a big guy like me pop off and do cruiserweight stuff you know but um it's just one of those things where it's like i keep those in my back pocket you know when when it's time to when it's time to turn it up, then I turn it up. I feel like me and Eric just become best friends because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a skater boy and uh, The Crow is one of my favorite movies ever. So I, I think obviously I just need to uh, move to Ohio and become very good friends with Eric Fallen. Uh, Eric, you are now a part of a new promotion based out of Southern Ohio known as Future Great Wrestling. Uh, many of our listeners might be familiar with the name of the promotion as they've recently made some national headlines. The city of Hamilton, Ohio, where Future Great plans to call home, tried to shut down the show before things could even get off and rolling. Uh, can you share some details involving the city and why they would be opposed to hosting professional wrestling and how future great and Hamilton worked out these issues? Um, you know, I, I really, I don't understand really behind the details of why they tried to, uh, shut us down. And, uh, I don't know if it's because of maybe someone came through there a few years back and ran the territory and, uh, Maybe uh, they put a bad, you know, put a bad stamp on the town. I'm not sure, you know, other than the fact that it's an older community and with pro wrestling coming in, you know, into town and uh, running every week, you know, I think it's just kind of frightened, you know, the older community, you know, they're, uh, you got to think, you know, what it, a lot of the sport, uh, a lot of the sports stuff that goes down over there, you know, it's not a, 
it's not a week to week gig, you know, and like the kids come in there, they do their thing, they go home with wrestling. You know, you got to think these older, these older uh, folks living across the street and everything. I mean, they're worried about, you know, parking, they're worried about, you know, just certain things happening, you know, guys, uh, I, I don't know. I, I read the statement on what they were saying and some of it was just absolutely mind blowing, ridiculous. I've never even heard some, some of the things that, you know, they were saying on why they didn't want wrestling there. But, you know, my whole thing was, is, you know, if, if it turns out to be a negative experience, that that's fine. I get it. But at the same time, how do you, how can you put negativity on something if you've never experienced it? Let us come in there. Let us run a show. Let us run a few shows, you know, come, come to the show, you know, don't, don't bad mouth it. Don't, don't put hate or negativity on it until you've experienced it. You know, I get that there's promoters and promotions out there that, you know, they're, uh, they bring a lot of, um, negativity to them and they're not professional. You know, FGW is absolutely professional. Uh, we got the best talent in the state and in the country. I mean, I mean, for God's sakes, we got Cody Hawk, you know, the trainer of champions, the guys put so many people on the map, man. I mean, it's just a, it's just an entire roster full of talent. I mean, we got guys from all over. We got super Zeta from Mexico. That's going to be coming in, you know? I mean, I just, I just don't get it, man. I mean, we went over here and we fought this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there was no guarantee in sight if we were even going to be able to run. But, um, I think what happened was, is, um, you know, we, we had a pension out, you know, to sign, you know, for, uh, people who, if, you know, we gave it up to the city. Do you want wrestling here or not? You know, we, we gave it to the city and, you know, we won the vote. We won it in our favor. You know, there were more people who wanted wrestling then, you know, more people who didn't want wrestling. And I just think it was just the fact of just an older community nervous and, and not sure of it. You know, they're not used to having that in their town in that area. So, you know, it, it was kind of, they were kind of reluctant on first, but I think at the uh, little town meeting that uh, we all had, I think with them hearing everyone's statement and understanding the insides and outs of what's going to happen there, I think it just kind of, uh, made him feel more comfortable to opening the door. Well, I was going to say, you know, just kind of add to like kind of let everyone out there kind of know about the, the dynamic of the situation. I think it was, you know, just a handful of individuals that had this idea to relate professional wrestling with like a mob or a gang mentality. So when actually future great went to meet with the city officials, you know, people came out in droves to show their support and they really got the picture that professional wrestling can be family friendly and it, it can be for everyone. And it, it was great to hear that, you know, that the city council, I, I believe, you know, they voted unanimously to give future great uh, a shot. So, of course, you know, the issues got worked out. And as of our airing here on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling podcast this evening, they're going to run their first show. It is dubbed Origins. And Mr. Fallen, as you were saying, you're not just going to be a part of that event, but you're going to be in a marquee matchup. I mean, you're the headliner on this thing, and you're going to be squaring off against, as you mentioned there, he's been a for, he's been a former guest here on our show. He's a legendary trainer. He's also a longtime rival of yours in Cody Hawk. I mean, how, Mr. Fallen, how can you how can you prepare for for such a spotlight, and, and what does this moment mean to you? 
mean, the moment means everything to me, you know, like we're, we're putting a new wrestling brand on the map, you know, we're, uh, we're trying to, um, make people understand that, you know, Ohio has its fair share of, um, negative promotions. And we're trying to be one of those promotions that, um, can change the game. And, you know, we, we have all the right tools. We have all the right people in place to do it. I mean, Cody, me and Cody go back a long time. I mean, when I was, um, like I said, when I was a kid and I started to come, um, to HWA and I was watching the shows, Cody Hawk was the guy that was down there, you know, the underdog, you know, he was down there, um, taking on WWE and WCW superstars. And I was just mind blown on how this guy, I've never heard of this guy, you know, cause I've never seen him on TV or anything, but the fact that he was the guy of Cincinnati, the guy of that company and he was holding his own, I was inspired. And, um, you know, a few years after that, you know, he, uh, he tucked me underneath his wing and was showing me the ropes and, uh, you know, he, um, he pretty much, I've learned so much from him and I've also taught him some things, you know, we've, we've been in, we've been in many battles everywhere we've went, any company we went to. We've always locked it up. We've always did that. We've even had some Ironman matches in the past. I mean, Cody to me is the top of the measuring stick. I mean, he brings the best out of people. And I mean, if you can't, if you can't get in the ring and hang with him, you know, he's going to eat you up. But the thing is, is that me and Cody, we go back so far that this match right here, this is going to be the match that tops every other match we've ever had with each other. He's going to bring his best. I'm going to bring my best. We know what we can do in that ring. We know what kind of chemistry we have. And honestly, it's a special, special match. It's a teacher versus student, you know? I mean, how much more, you know, story can you get? I mean, we're going we're gonna to go out there tomorrow night and we're going to tear it down. Speaking of preparation and big moments, you've had plenty of experience to do so in situations that most of us could only begin to dream of. You've rubbed elbows with some pretty big names inside of the business. In fact, you work with world classic big time wrestling, rubbing elbows with some absolute legends. World classic big time is owned by one half of the Fantastics, Mr. Bobby Fulton, and he regularly, as well as many other legends, appear on the shows. Tell us a little bit about your experiences there and what future dates you have coming up with the company um i've had a lot of great experiences there i mean the whole thing's been a an opportunity of a lifetime i mean to work with bobby fulton and uh you know the legends that he brings in there from ecw wcw wwe you know nwa i mean it's huge it's definitely a place that you want to put your foot in and pick as many brains as you can you know i mean and I've done so, you know, I, I've, I've been there, I've been backstage with road warrior animal and I, you know, Kevin Sullivan and Sabu, all these guys, you know, and just pick their brain and, um, you know, been out there with them and, uh, let them see what I can do. And, um, you know, a lot of them have been impressed with me. A lot of them have uh, given me advice and a lot of them, a lot of them think, you know, that I can be the next big thing, but, um, you know, in a business that's very cutthroat. You know, you're always striving to be different. You're always striving to, what can I do that's going to get me here? What can I do that's going to get me there? You know, and you, 
you're not going to get there without picking the brains of people who have been there, you know? And, uh, those guys, man, they're the, they're the top notch guys. I mean, you think of Kevin Sullivan, look at how many people he's created, you know, look at the things that he's done. I remember meeting, uh, Mr. Sullivan up at Starcast. And, you know, once you get past the fact that you're talking to Kevin Sullivan, he, he's a great individual to talk to, but that there is that initial intimidation factor. Like, how do you just go walking up to Sabu and strike up a conversation? Well, you know, you got to understand, you know, like the, the little, you know, the, the fan in you, the fan in you is excited. Obviously, you know, you grew up, you watched this guy, you know, you were a fan of him, a fan of his work, but the professional in you you just treat it like it's any, you treat him like he's any other guy, you know, you treat him like he's any other, um, employee. You go up and shake your hand and, um, pick his brain, you know, well, what can we go from here? You know, this is who I am. This is what I do. You know, I know who you are. I know what you do. How can we collaborate with each other? You know, one of the nights that I, uh, was booked on the show, me and Sabu were tag team partners. And I mean, how cool is that? You know, it, it was a great experience. So working you, with Sabu. Do you get the opportunity to sit down and be like, okay, what kind of crazy shit do you want to jump off of tonight? Absolutely. You know, I, you know, he, he's a, he's a legend. He's made his name, you know, doing those things. And, you know, I understand that maybe he slowed down just a tad, but at the same time, I mean, it's Sabu, you know, you never know what he's going to pull out of his hat. And, um, you know, I've worked with Sandman and that's another one, you know, I mean, these guys, you know, they can come to a show and they still got it. They still got it. And it's just amazing being in there with them, you know, and they, they see some of the stuff that I do and to have, you know, a guy like Sabu look at me and say that he's impressed with how I work. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a compliment. That's a hell of a pat on the back. You know I mean? I mean, I must be doing something right. You know, one of the things I think would have to be very interesting is the dynamic, you know, between working with the, the old school, you know, maybe a lot of these individuals from world classic big time, you know, in that, in that mentality that we know that they have, as opposed to, you know, a lot of this, the new younger generation that we're working with, because I mean, you hear all the time from people talking about how different locker rooms are. Do you see a difference there? Any, I guess, maybe entertaining stories where maybe both sides don't see eye to eye or there's an imbalance or something like that? I mean, yeah, it's always like that. You know, there's always, uh, you always have the older guys, you know, always back there taking the uh, newer guys under their wing and trying to show them, you know, well, this is cool that you can do this. This is cool that you can do that. But you need to learn how to make sense with some of the things that you're doing. You know, and that, and that's that's one of the issues with pro wrestling today. You know, you got so many athletic guys out there trying to up each other with the moves, with you know their move set and um, their spots. And it's like we we've kind of drifted away from the storytelling, you know, a bit. And it's you know the, you you can still be that athletic guy. You can still do that four fifty. You can still do that shooting star press. You can still do those that triple backflip but makes sense, you know, tell the story, you know, how many storytellers do we have anymore, you know, versus, versus what we had back in the day to now, you know, it, wrestling now is more athletic based. I've, I've never seen so many athletic guys in the business, you know, ever, but I mean, everywhere you go, if you don't have three or four athletic guys 
on the card, <laughs> then I guess you don't have a, a wrestling show in today's day, you know? So, I mean, I, I see these guys do it all the time. And a lot of the new guys, you know, sometimes these new kids, they come in here and it goes in one ear and out the other. I've always tried to be that guy who stayed in the middle, you know? Yes, I, I've come up in the new school. Yes, I do a lot of new school stuff. But at the same time, I have an old school mentality. I was brought up old school too. You know, I want to pick the brains of the old school guys. These guys have been to the top. These guys know what they're talking about. They know the ins and the outs. That's who you want to learn from. It's great learning certain things from new, new guys. It, it, it is. It's great. But at the same time, the older guys are the ones that know how to build the foundation. They're the ones who are going to lay the bricks down and show you how to build yourself up and show you how to make your character that much more, you know, than what, than what you think. And, uh, you know, guys like Sabu, Kevin Sullivan, Bobby Fulton, uh, Cody Hawk, you know, these guys, they know what they're talking about. And, uh, by, by me picking their brains, man, you know, it's gotten, it's got some pretty cool doors opened up for me. I think one of the most classic lines I've ever heard came from Bobby Fulton. It was at a BOTV show not so long ago, and he's setting up the ring. And a lot of the younger guys asked him to move the ring because there was a beam in the way. And he said, well, I don't see what the problem is. And they said, well, we need to use the top rope. And Mr. Fulton just said, without missing a beat, he was like, well, what do you need the fucking top rope for? Yeah. And it's just the difference in the mentality, you know, where he came from to what, you know, what we see from the new era. Absolutely. You know, like I, I, I feel like there's a place on the card for everything. There's a place on the show for everything. You know, you don't want to say if I can, if I can go out there and do a shooting star press, but I know that there's two or three other guys on the show that probably are going to do that. Then I don't need to go out there and do that. You know, I can go out there and do some of these moves that these other guys can do but why do I need to go out here and tell the same type of story that they're telling? You know, I'll tell my own story. If there comes to a point where I need to pop that out or do that or use that, then that'd be sometime later on down the road where it makes sense. It doesn't make sense when you got five guys going out there trying to do the same thing or trying to up each other. You know, there's, if I'm a wrestling fan and I'm coming to a wrestling show, I want to see something different in every match. That's what I'm paying my money for, you know? Yeah. You, you may get, you may get a couple matches here and there where, you know, it turned out the same or, or they kind of looked the same, but that's not the goal. You know, you go to an amusement park, you want to ride roller coasters. Every roller coaster is different. That's what you're experiencing. You want to ride every roller coaster because they all have a different experience. A wrestling show, every match should have its own different experience and tell its own different story. And if you can't do that, then you're not doing something right. Very well said. Very well said. Well, Mr. Paul, and I know right now you've got your eye on future great, but in just a little of just a little under a month away, uh, another big show coming up that I know, you know, I'm excited for you're excited for. Of course, I'm talking about battle on the border 10. Uh, this is the first show of the new year for battle on the border. It's, it's a milestone for them. You know, this is, you know, in many ways, a turning point. And, and I know under the BOTB banner, you've promised a new direction for yourself, a refueled energy for Eric Fallen. 
know, obviously you always have that, that hunger for singles championships and success, uh, but you're also looking to dominate the tag division there. Uh, you've aligned yourself probably with the, maybe the only man you trust inside the ring in Ryan McMichaels with so much potential success, you know, just there for the taking. What kind of year can we expect in Battle on the Border from uh, Eric Fala? Well, I think it's going to be a crazy year. Um, it's definitely going to look different than what it did last year. You know, I, uh, I've been at Battle on the Border for two years now, and, um, you know, I think hooks is the only real competition I've re- I've had since I've been there. I mean, I'm not, I'm going to say it like this. There are guys who are talented and they belong there. And then there are guys that they just talk to talk and you got to go in there and you got to do the work for them. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't feel like I've been put out there enough in battle on the border where the fans can see me do what I do. You know, they, they know what Brian Pillman Jr. does. They know what Chase Owens does. They know what some of these other guys, they know what Cody Hawk does. You know, they know what Hooks does. They've seen these guys perform. They've seen these guys be in matches with other guys that can bring the best out of them. They haven't seen a lot of what Eric Fallen can do yet. You know, they saw some of the things that I can do in my match with Hooks. I mean, we went out there, we beat the hell out of each other, and, you know, Hooks earned that. He earned that that night. You know, he was the better man. And, um, you know, I, I, I just want to go out there and I want to face the best, you know, that that's it. I don't, I don't want to come and face some guy who he, he's built himself up to be this talented guy. He's built himself up to be, you know, this marquee guy. And then I go out there and then it's, um, it's not, it's not what the fans want it. It's not what I want it. And it, it just turns out to be one of those built up movies, but then you go to see it on all oh, this movie sucks. You know what I mean? Like put me in there with a chase Owens, put me in there with a Brian Pillman jr. Put me in there with these guys. I mean, I can go, man. I'm very athletic. I've done this for a long time. I know what I'm doing. You know, I can give you five star matches. I can give you main event matches, but you know, I kind of gotten screwed the last few times I've been there by a Brandon Xavier and his little goons. So, you know, that that's who's running the show right now. That That's who their champion is, is the wannabe athletes. So, you know, I'm going to focus on another direction. You know, I want to build the tag team division up. I feel like tag team tag teams are just kind of like a lost art in certain promotions. Like, it truly is. I mean, if you go back into the day, tag teams used to dominate. You know, every territory you had, you had great tag teams everywhere. And I I think that's a lost art. I think certain places you have, you know, a good tag team division, but what happened to tag teams being just as good as the, you know, singles? And you don't see that a lot anymore. And uh, with Ryan Michaels, you know, he's, he's underrated. Very, very hidden gem, man. Very special. I mean, the guy can get in there and he can do some things. And, uh, I've, you know, for me and him to align ourselves together, I think it's going to be a good thing for the tag team division. I think we're going to go into this tag team tournament, and I think we're just going to cut through it like a hot knife through butter. I think we're going to go through here, and we're going to take out this tag team, take out that tag team. I mean, line them up. We're going to knock them down, man. I mean, we have two great talents coming together. And uh, I think Battle on Border is in for a treat. I'd say with that hunger, it looks like, you know, you're, you're- – 
it's just a matter of when success when when you grab it. You're talking about that tag team tournament. You know, I can I can already see it. You know, you and Michael's the top guns. You're going to be looking across that ring uh, against your old adversary, Cody Hawk, Sean Casey, the five. Hey man, hey man. We don't care if it's the five most wanted. We don't care if it's the Bullet Club. We don't care who it is. We don't care what promotion it is. We don't care. You know, we know what we can do. We know what we can bring to the table. We just want the best. That's all we want. You know that. I mean, that's what this business is all about, isn't it? You you get in this business to learn from the best to compete against the best and to beat the best, to become the best. That's what this business is about. And that's all I want. You know, that's all Ryan wants. That's all we want. Just feed us the best and we will give you a show like you've never seen. You know, I mean, you, you got old school, you got new school and you got it all working together, man. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. If you book it right. You know, you talk about the best, and and I guess this kind of brings us to an issue that myself and Rick were discussing shortly before we had you on the phone here today, and that brings us to one Mr. Dean Ambrose. You know, we're hearing a lot of speculation that Ambrose is going to be leaving the WWE. Huckleberry over here, he's trying to convince everybody that he's got inside sources, which we know is just a bunch of crap. Mr. Fallett, I got to ask you, if, if, if John Moxley is to return to the Ohio independent wrestling scene, I'm sure that's somebody that you wouldn't mind stepping into the ring with. Well, I've been backstage with Moxley a few times, and um, I don't know him as well as others do, but I, I, know, I know of him, and I know uh, some of the advice that I was given from him a long, long, long time ago. But... Um, yeah, man, it's exciting, you know? I mean, if you take a look around the wrestling world, I mean, look at, how, look at everything that's popping up now. I mean, there's so much potential for everybody. You know, guys who have been working their ass off for a long time and, and, and want a break, you know? They may get that break. They may finally get that break. You know, you got AEW, um, you know, coming onto the scene, getting ready to open up doors, getting ready to offer jobs. I mean... You got WWE, who's going to be looking for people. You got NXT, who's going to need people. You got New Japan, you know. You got all these promotions. Ring of Honor is going to need new people. I mean, and then you got, you know, Ambrose. You know, he's looking to do more. He's looking He's looking for that passion again. He's looking to go somewhere where, you know, he can find his passion again. I mean, I like what he's done in, you know, in WWE. I, li- I like the things that he's done and when what he's become, but... Dean wants to be Mox and you know, if Mox wants to come to Ohio and he wants to come through here and go from territory to territory, then so be it. You know, I mean, hell his trainers down here at uh, FGW, you know, Cody Hawk and uh, John, they have a history with each other. You know, they have a rival history. They have a friendship history. You know, I, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to see. It's hard for me to, um, see if Mox comes down to Ohio, why would he not come to FGW? Why would he not go to a battle on the border? You know, I mean, these are places that are on the rise. I mean, hell, you might even see Moxley in war. You never know. I mean, he, he, he can go anywhere he wants to, but I know that, uh, with future great wrestling coming onto the scene and with the waves that it's been making, 
and you got Cody Hawk, you got Eric Fallen, you got Hooks, you got all these guys down there. I mean, I think I think it's kind of like in the future plans of uh, once Mox becomes available, we're going to try to get our hands on him. So come on down, John. Mr. Fallen, we'd like to thank you very, very much for joining us today. Why don't you tell the people how to follow you on social media and what you have coming up? Because I know shortly before we started recording today, we had an announcement from you regarding New Ohio Wrestling. Yes, um, March 2nd and March uh, 3rd, I'll be making my um, New Ohio Wrestling debut at the uh, Arnold Classic in Columbus, Ohio. Um, You know, February 23rd, Battle on the Border 10. Uh, the top guns are going to debut and we're going to take that tag team division by storm, you know, March 16th, world class at big time wrestling, um, world championship, big time wrestling. I'm sorry, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, Bobby Fulton, I'll be down there in Chillicothe, Ohio, taking on, um, I think his name's the Irish giant, uh, Paxton Calloway. I think his name is, I'll be competing against him, which he's, He's something to look at. If you if you ever heard of Paxton Callaway, the Irish Giant, take a look at him, man. He's he's awesome. He's quite impressive. Um, he he really is, man. If that guy don't get signed in the next few years, then something's wrong. <laughs> um, future great wrestling tomorrow night, Hamilton, Ohio, bell time seven thirty. And uh, you want to find me? You can find me on Facebook at Eric Fallen eighty two, or on Twitter at Eric Fallen eighty two. Mr. Fallen, thank you so much for joining us today. Keep in touch. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We're all living in America, America. It's wonderful. We're all living in America, America, America. We're all ladies and gentlemen mr eric fallen huckleberry he's coming up fast in that ohio scene of course that ohio scene just bursting at the seams hey you know you got so many great promotions so many great talents coming out of ohio and like i always tell you you know you pick a friday or saturday and you start at one end of the state and start driving about every other exit or so i mean you're going to be able to find a great indie show I'm kind of jealous of that because, you know, I live in the frozen tundra known as Iowa. Uh, let's talk about my favorite thriving pro wrestling scene. And that, of course, is Japan, New Japan pro wrestling, to be specific. Huckleberry. Yeah, that that damn music's coming back. That's right. Chris Jericho says that he is coming back. I will return to New Japan pro wrestling. Huckleberry, what is Jericho gonna do this time? Well, so what did he? Did, was this a tweet that he put out? It was a Instagram post. Okay, it was, Instagram. It was just a picture of his entrance from uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and simply, I'm coming back. I will return. Well, I was just wondering if he put this out on social media, you know, right around Rumble time when it seemed he might have been uh, a little soft. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
Is, is this Jericho just throwing shots out there again, or is he really planning on going back, you know? Oh, I think he's really planning on going back. Uh, we do know that Jericho's new contract does allow him to work New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Jericho really, really wants to go back. He seems to really enjoy himself over there in New Japan where he can be incredibly unfiltered and basically do whatever in the hell he wants. Uh, I guess the real question is, it, does he go back after Naito? Because I don't really want to see Jericho versus Naito 3. What I want is Rainmaker versus Jericho. What would it before he left before... Or the last time we had any kind of mention about New Japan for Jericho, wasn't he calling out the ace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that he wants Tanahashi. He wants a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He said, I was the Intercontinental Champion for six months. He did have himself a couple of defenses there. Cook, would you be interested in maybe both? Well, hmm. I mean, but, but obviously, I mean, you probably you'd have to choose one because he's not going to win either one of those. No, no, I did. Let's let's not get carried away. Chris Jericho is not winning the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That's just not going to happen. Well, and I don't even think he goes over o- Okada. No, and goddamn it, Okada needs some wins, and he needs some quality wins. Yes. Instead of just beating up on jobbers so, and tag could matches. you see where maybe you know you're using that as a as a means to get to Okada Jericho? Obviously, you're calling out the ace. You know, I was the Intercontinental Champion. I'm one of the greatest in the world. I, I put myself at true legendary status. I've proven that you know I go where I want, when I want. I do what I want when I want. And, and Okada steps in and says, "You know what? You're not coming after anyone holding our championship. This thing is above you." No, I'm the greatest that's ever held that thing. If you actually want a shot at it, then you got to go through me, buddy. I mean, could that be a good setup for that thing? That is a pretty sweet setup. That is a pretty sweet setup. I do like that. Uh, but this also adds to my speculation that Kenny Omega is not signing full-time with All Elite Wrestling. I said earlier, as we were talking about Hideo, I don't think Kenny is leaving New Japan. I think Kenny is going to stay in New Japan. I think he'll come over and he'll do some of these big AEW shows, but I don't think Kenny Omega is going to be living stateside. Now, Kenny's phone is counting down. Kenny found his phone. We saw that in the latest episode of Being the Elite. It's counting down to that rally on February 7th at uh, the talent pool at the MGM Grand out in Las Vegas, Nevada, where they're announcing the tickets for Double or Nothing. I do think Kenny will be working Double or Nothing. I do think Kenny will be working the big shows for AEW, but as far as his home promotion, I think he's going to stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I think Jericho continuing to work New Japan Pro Wrestling adds to that theory. And it kind of gets me going in a direction because we are going to need we're going to need some kind of split. We've talked about where do you draw that fine line between even like what we see on being the elite and what we see at all elite wrestling. And, and then also you throw in that third dynamic. What do we see from the office? And I, and I really think it'd be nice to see here where Kenny kind of takes that split where, you know, he's not really about being the elite or the office. It just becomes that talent. And maybe that makes him a bit of an outsider you know, where he chose to stay in Japan rather than pursue this grand dream and this vision that the others had. So maybe you get more of that, you know, that alliance with him and Jericho. That would be interesting. Uh, I'm I'm digging the uh, thing going on with MJF and Cody. Did you see that on the latest episode of being the elite? 
Cody replacing Marty's picture with with the the MJF fat head and Brandy even taking offense. And Brandy, I'm absolutely team Brandy on this one. Have you seen me? That was hilarious. Uh, what what do you think is going on here with MJF and Cody inside of the world of being the elite? Well, let's go all the way back. You know, was was Cody really working it, or did you know did they did they did they really just find themselves in this great spot? You know, the morning after All In, Cody, the, the at the time, the new NWA World Champion, sat down with JR. One of the first questions he threw out there after, you know, the obvious congratulations for the success of the event was, you know, out of all of these big names, who is the first one that, that comes to mind about, you know, who really made themselves that night, who the world would be talking about. And obviously, that was Cody's pick. Yeah, MJF. He's he put over. He, he put MJF over big time. So now we're seeing that kind of play out here. And even when we knew when this announcement was coming, and Marty is tied up with Ring of Honor, uh, going through you know the SuperCard at MSG. He's dead. He, Marty's dead. You heard Cody. He's dead. He died with honor. What a shot that was. He died with in, honor. Even in that moment, you know it's eventually going to happen where, where Marty shows up. I want Marty in, to kick Cody's AW. ass is what I want. No, and how huge is that going to be? I mean, Damn that right. is going to be one of those game changers. But the other thing that's important there is now we're saying that res erection can apply to people other than Joey Ryan. Because if Marty Skrull is res erected, maybe, just maybe, Adam Cole can be res erected as well. Of course, on being the elite a couple of weeks ago, my pop moment possibly of the entire series was Britt Baker when Britt Baker had this to say. Are we going to talk about this? Everything okay? Talk, talk about what? Really? You don't want to address the situation? The giant white elephant in the room? What? Elephant? What are you talking about, Britt? Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about the fact that you murdered my boyfriend? Can we address the elephant in the room? Yeah. You killed my boyfriend. Now, of course, we're hearing a lot of speculation about Adam Cole. But, Rick, I'm going to say right here, right now, I do not think at any point in the immediate future that Adam Cole ends up in all of the I think Adam Cole is as WWE as you are possibly going to find inside of that performance center. And I know this isn't a popular statement right now, you know, amongst the, the smarts and all that, but I mean, why wouldn't you be? I mean, you've got all the money in the world. You're still going to be on the biggest stage, the biggest platform. And this goes back to something we've been talking about all week. You know, you got everyone, the fans clamoring, oh, AEW's the hotspot. This is going to change the world. Everyone should be wanting to go there to be a part of this machine. But yet we still see the people, you know, the the long team, the long time people that have invested in this business that rely on it for their livelihood. They're all taking jobs with WWE. Mm-hmm. They know where not just the money, they know where the backing is. They, they know what is stable, what is best for them. Yeah, speaking of, I don't want to get too far into it, uh, but some big signings this week when you're talking about guys like T, Shane Helms, um, oh my gosh, I just had his name, uh, Joey Mercury. Joey Mercury signed. He's, with, he's back with them? 
No, he signed with Ring of Honor. Oh, with Ring of Honor. Okay, yeah. Well, because he had to leave. See, it was he was the one that got in trouble at at All In. Correct? Yep. I uh, had some warrant issues. I think you know that story. It, it got twisted a bunch of different ways. I'm not even sure which is true there. But uh, but you're talking about signings there. I mean, just going back, you got you got Helms, you got Abyss, you got Davari, you, you got Jarrett. All these people that are you know just going to work for WWE. It it almost seems like you can already feel. The impact they're making because, hey, you know, WWE is on an upswing right now. They've got some exciting things going on in their programming. It's just uh, it's kind of interesting where it's like, OK, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Hideo Itami, you can go. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, sure. Get the hell out of here. We don't need you. Oh, oh, any backstage producer that might be available. We're signing that motherfucker. Well, that's that's the WWE style. The WWE style, you know, they don't want like we we talk about the time. They don't want that mega store out there in the camera in the spotlight. They want just that factory made. You you can cut off any part of the machine at any time and replace it, and you don't miss a beat on your programming. But you know what's really hard to do on your programming? Launch it without producers. They're signing up a lot of producers. Uh, Huckleberry, let's talk about halftime heat. Uh, I think this is interesting. Halftime Heat is basically WWE Super Bowl party. Yeah, they're just going to let us watch the WWE Super Bowl party. Basically, what's going on, they're inviting all the employees at the Performance Center and all of their families. That's going to make up the live crowd. And then we are going to get this match. Ciampa, Gargano, and Cole versus Black, Ricochet, and Dream live during halftime of the Super Bowl from the Performance Center. I think this is really freaking cool. I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, something completely, you know, outside of outside of the norm. WWE thinking out of the box a little bit. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, now, this match, on the other hand, got complicated. This is so freaking weird, and I've never heard of them doing this. And this is not a spoiler, because number one, it's everywhere on freaking Twitter. And number two, we don't know what the fuck's going on. All right? Johnny Gargano and the Velveteen Dream, both a part of this match, at the tapings last night, we had a little bit of what the hell's going on. They filmed two finishes to a match between the Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano. So the video that's going around on Twitter and the word going around on Twitter is that Velveteen Dream won the North American Championship from Johnny Gargano at the tapings. But what they didn't show you in that video is Johnny Gargano comes running back out like a bat out of freaking hell. Lays back down. Dream goes for the Rainmaker. Gargano rolls out of the way. Throws Dream into the Gargano escape. And Dream taps. The referee rings the bell and awards the championship to Johnny Gargano. Dream stands up and completely loses his shit. Where's Vince? Where's Vince? Screaming, wanting to know what in the hell is going on. They shot two different finishes to the same goddamn match. Huckleberry what in the world is going on here? And is this the new way for WWE to protect their finishes? We're just, you know what? You motherfuckers want to leak the goddamn spoilers? Fuck you. We're just going to film two different finishes. I don't think you can get away with it that often, but I like this. Because you've got Johnny who essentially runs out, right? And then, as you said, runs back in, correct? Yep. 
Okay, so you can easily edit in. He runs to the back, complains about something, gets permission to restart the match, and then comes back. Yeah. And I love this angle with Dream. And and then it plays into where, okay, you know, maybe that maybe during the show, you know, that's that's going to be the reaction because it wasn't someone as high as Vince, where that dream has been wanting answers from the top dog. You know, right? Why is this happening with just some run of the mill NXT guy? You know, if I I don't think they would use Regal in that, right? But you know, however they go about it. I, however they go about it, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm really intrigued as to what in the hell is going on because the, the crowd at Full Sail, they have no clue what in the hell happened last night. And I kind of like that coming out of the taping. But, and I, but I don't want to see it happen regularly. Well, and, and here's the thing that really kind of confuses me is halftime heat. We've got both. Gargano and Dream involved in this match. So what? Gargano comes out with the title? So then the speculation is going to be, okay, well, the finish is clearly Gargano wins. If Dream comes out with the title, obviously Gargano lost. Or do they play it like the the tapings never happened because they haven't aired yet. Like what's the psychology going into halftime heat, which is why I bring this entire conundrum up. You know what I do? I would pick up where they left off at takeover and have both sides start brawling in the back, get rid of your traditional entrances and and just have them fight their way into the arena. Uh, Just start the match right then. And then the action is so intense you know, they, they want to go after each other so much that the uh, announce team or the accommodating team is so involved in that that you don't even mention any championships. Is that how you get out of doing basically the traditional Gargano and Ciampa are on the same team? Maybe the match ends up. It's just Ciampa and Cole versus Aleister Black and Ricochet. And we keep going backstage because Gargano and Dream are just at each other's throats and they never even make it to the ring. Let's let I me mean, let's look at this. You know, they're hoping to get some people at Super Bowl parties. I mean, somebody that's just sitting at home that never watches WWE, they're not going to they're not going to just going to go find this thing on YouTube or Twitter or, you know, definitely not just going to sign up for the WWE Network. What they're hoping is going to happen is that there's going to be a large group because how many Super Bowl parties are going on, you know, through the United States, through North America this Sunday, you know, millions they're gonna, Right. So they're going to hope that individuals like you and me are are there and we've got a device with us. So during the halftime, we're going to fire it up. Oh, the hell with this Maroon 5 bullshit. Guys, check out what I got, man. This is action. So you're going to have a lot of new eyes on this product. You don't have to make a whole lot of sense of it. What you want to do is bring that dot, dot, dive, just car crash mentality to get these outside people and wow them a little bit here. You don't have to go overboard and move a story. This is about grabbing the, the grabbing the attention of some potential new viewers. I mean, they're using us wrestling fans going to these different parties as a gateway to hopefully turn on some new viewers here. So if we start with all six guys just brawling it out in the back, we've got a melee, we got hell breaking loose, you got you got the commentator team putting this thing over as anything. This is what our product is about. 
you know, it's going to kind of give that same vibe to people. They're going to remember going back to the Attitude Era, like, oh, that's what I remember. Austin just raising hell. Or even people, the first time they saw ECW, how insane that was. You kind of want to give that, you want to give that vibe, that presentation. So then you can have these guys going all over. This thing can be about big spots, wowing people, and giving you know, the exact opposite of what you're going to get from the Super Bowl halftime. And it doesn't necessarily have to follow the narrative of what's going on inside NXT. And, you know, the other thing that it just occurred to me what they did. They have a control group. They have a that crowd is going to do exactly what they want them to because it's all employees and their freaking families. This isn't even a real audience. These guys right. are going to be coached to do exactly what they want them to do. Well, even even better than like what we've seen where they, you know, some people think they have a control audience. We've seen with Impact and Down and Where. You've seen some of the studio shows uh, like Wrestling Society X. You know, didn't Lucha do that? Yep. It doesn't do that at times where they have the plants and all that. Yep. Going even one step further, these aren't people that you're just hoping, want, you know, want to come and get out of the air or even like hired actors. These are people that are invested in what's best for this product right now because it affects everyone in that building. It's freaking genius. Is I mean, what you're, this you're freaking is. In, you're employees of it. This so is freaking every, genius. So everyone's going to and everyone's going to have some kind of sense of what's going on. They're going to be excited. They're going to make everything here just look so alive and, and it's going to be eye catching. So we don't have to worry about the narrative. You just got to sell, baby, sell right now. And the more we dive into this conversation, as you said here, man, this is freaking genius. We're hitting them marks, Huckleberry. Let's go ahead. Let's uh, talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I have a little bit of a preview here for what we've got coming up over the course of the weekend because, Rick, this is one of those weekends that I just dread as a New Japan fan. If you put all of these matches on one card... This show would be awesome, but instead we have it spread out over the course of three days. And of course, I'm talking about the new beginning shows. Uh, before we jump into a little bit of a preview there with all the big matches that you're going to want to go back and catch and then skip over all the other crap. Let's talk about a match that took place the other night. It's Kushida versus Tanahashi. I told you I wasn't recording this show with you until you watched this match, so you went and you watched this match. And, Rick, the reason I wanted you to watch this match is, number one, I thought you would really, really enjoy it because of the style of it. This is a, a very map-based, classic pro wrestling match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and the other thing is, I want to talk to you about Tanahashi. Because Tanahashi looks old. I don't know what happened to Tanahashi in that match with Kenny Omega, but it looks like he has put on about five years since that match at Wrestle Kingdom, the ace is moving slow. He acts like he can't freaking bend over, like he's got something pulled in his back. He's doing the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania thing. There's a shot where Shawn goes to pick up Austin, and he can't bend that way. So instead, he bends at the knees and kind of squats to pick up Austin. That's how Tanahashi is moving. I think there's something really, really wrong with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, let me speak just, you know, to the farewell to Kushida here. But New Japan, they really do these things great. They, they, Man, they how awesome show, was that? They do a, such a tremendous job of showing the respect and, you know, just a sincere thank you for your service. And, and I think a lot of ways, you know, like it has to be the company, you know, they feel it themselves. But sometimes you eat your own ego and you let the fans enjoy that moment. 
It was you know, a spectacle. If you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, it's for, it's for them and the match itself. You're right. It's such a great, great wrestling exhibition and back and forth in the intensity of that match. Yeah. It was great, really good. Great intensity, great in-ring storytelling. But let's get to Tanahashi here. Let's get to the ace. You've got, I think you're, you're talking about, is there something wrong with him? Is he working injured or is he working us? Is he, is it intentional that he is to look this old? You know, because going in, you know, he's he's that John Cena. He's that flag bearer. He just got that, that last big win. But right now, they're really hammering home who's chasing him could become the youngest IWGP heavyweight champion of all time. Do they really want to amplify that youth of Jay White versus almost the over-the-hill representative of what New Japan was? The other thing that I thought was interesting and and absolutely fantastic, um, I have grown to the point where I can just ignore commentary. Like I'll be like, why didn't commentary talk about this? And you'll be like, uh, dude, they did. And, and I'll just be like, oh, my bad. Uh, because I just totally, especially M- Mitchell Cole, I just tune him out. I can't stand listening to him anymore. But Kevin Kelly sold the moment when Switchblade Jay White comes out and attacks Hiroshi Tanahashi after this match. Kevin, that was a Kevin Kelly, Jim Ross, by God, they killed him. He's broken in half. That was a Kevin Kelly moment where he started calling Switchblade, that son of a bitch. The way that he ruined that moment, you really bought in just because of the way Kevin Kelly sold it. Really wanted to give Kevin Kelly some credit because he is doing some great work over there. Huckleberry, you listen to much Kevin Kelly as you're as you're uh, getting yourself I into am. that mindset. You know, as, as, as I've been studying here, and it's it's become like an obsession of mine uh, now. In almost every bit of free time, you know what I'm doing is is looking at you know different and just you know especially those that are sitting in you know for controlling the booth, the people that move everything. You know the Kevin Kelly's. Uh, Guess what? Why is he his name is kept me in NXT? We're just talking. Yeah, <laughs> you know to follow those two, and then even going back, uh, Timmy Baltimore from OVW. I really like his style and all that. I, I listen to a lot of Mister Riccaboni, and you know to really take in what those guys are doing. And I, even here, you know, you you've got yourself into this groove. You're you're one of those that are so turned off to Cole. But if you understand what his goal, like what his job actually is, I got this like newfound respect for him as well. Oh, so I, I have, so, I have a lot so of respect here. for Mitchell Cole. I just don't like him as a, as a commentator. I don't like him. Uh, and, and I, even worse than Mitchell Cole is Tom Phillips. Uh, and, and what it is, it's, that's what Vince wants. Uh, Vince wants a voice that it, he's out there to push the narrative and plug this and plug that. And, Oh yeah, don't forget about this coming up later. And they're basically robots out there. And it, they're very, very good at their jobs. I just don't like their jobs. I don't like the way that the WWE commentators are produced. That's really what it comes down to. Well, I think, you know, there's a spot for, for both styles because you do need to sell and you do got to move. You got sponsors. You got to mention, you got to pay bills. I know, but I also need a voice that I can trust. That is basically the voice of you watching it at home because that's what they are there to do. 
And I don't get that from Michael Cole or Tom Phillips. Not not to the connection that I have. Like when I'm listening to Ian Riccoboni, I feel what Ian Riccoboni is feeling. When I listen to Kevin Kelly, I feel what Kevin Kelly is feeling. I don't feel a corporate shill that's just trying to sell me. Well, and I, I think that's where, you know, like a Cole's getting a bad rap on certain things. When he when they do, you know, loosen those reins and he is allowed to actually call the He's action. Really good. He does, you know, he's at a different level. Yeah, listen so to the, not, the commentary on that UK tournament over the summer when he did that. That was fantastic. There you go. You know, he doesn't have he doesn't have Bucky or Vince in his ear. Yep. So I think it, people are just conditioned. They hate they hate the fact that they know that someone's in their ear, but it's easy to hate the face of that. Yep. So that's where he gets the negativity. Yep. Uh, Tony Schiavone. Uh, there was a, a big period of time inside of WCW. I've been, I've been watching quite a bit of Tony Schiavone. But in, inside of WCW, back in like, you know, 96, 97, I could not stand Tony Schiavone. I listen to him on MLW now, and I think he's fantastic. I listen to a lot of back then and now. I'll tell you another one I really listen to enjoy because he didn't have to really answer to anyone. He could be, you know, he could try to be the best of both worlds as Eric Bischoff. Yes. Yep. Uh, and then you watch Sold Out 97 emanating from Cedar Rapids, Iowa with Bischoff on lead commentary. And it's freaking awful. Just awful. Like the worst commentary I've ever heard in my life. And I love me some Eric Bischoff. Was it, I, I mean, I, I can't like off the top of my head remember. It was because he had like that agenda where he was just trying to play the character so much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just it was just terrible. And again, it was the production of it, you know. So what are we talking about New Japan? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about New Japan. Uh, so th- here are the big matches coming up. And again, if this was all one card, this would be awesome. But you have to intermix a ton of tag matches and six-man tag matches amongst all of this to actually equal out three shows. Friday, new beginning in USA. Night two is going to be Juice Robinson taking on Beretta. Sorry, I spoiled that match for everybody earlier. Well, I was going to say, you know, if, if the government shutdown didn't already ruin this card, the I best did. friend just had to go sign with with all elite. Yep, yeah, that that really kind of spoils it because I was kind of hoping Beretta would take this title. Ain't happening. Uh, Saturday, new beginning in Sapporo, night one. Sonata takes on Suzuki. Evil takes on Zack Saber Jr. We're gonna see that tag match here just a little bit later, but I'm really looking forward to both of those singles matches as well as this big tag match. Okada and Tanahashi take on Bad Luck Fale and Jay White. Of course, we're just kind of continuing this build. So that's uh night one. Night two in Sapporo, the IWGP Junior Tag Titles. Shingo and Bushi take on Kane Amaro. And Desperado, the tag titles on the line, as well as the big boy tag titles, Evil and Sonata taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. Then we have the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, Naito and Taichi. I cannot believe that this is a real match that's going to happen. Naito and Taichi for the IWGP Intercontinental title. Huckleberry, this entire tour is basically being built around LIJ versus Suzuki Goon. I expect that one side is going to walk out victorious, one side is going to walk out very, very angry, and the side that's going to be victorious is Los Ingobernables. Dave, upon. It's going to be a rough weekend for Suzuki Goon. Uh, what, what do you make of this uh, lineup that we've got here? 
I say looking through. Are they running the, all these things on on World every night? Yep, it's gonna all gonna be on New Japan World. But it, the, like these are the shows that you don't watch the whole show. You skip until after right. intermission. I would just think it'd just be nice if they would just like give us a nice little package on Sunday night or something like that. You know, know with right? all the highlight at once. Yep. Yeah, that, and it's just their tours, you know. So you've got to sell every show on the tour so you end up with two really good matches on this card and two really good matches on that card and it with it is what it you, is you know it essentially this is you know this is like their live events yep it is what you could be relatable to you know the west fans that are listening to us that might be questioning like why do they do this you know it's part of that style like you said it's a tour and they're trying to make them each feel a little bit special so that each crowd, you know, is enticed to buy and, and they feel like they're getting the, the best possible show instead of, you know, giving you just one big payoff on Sunday and just repeating everything else through the week. Uh, so I kind of like this approach a little bit more. And, you know, obviously this opens up for an undercard for other talents through opportunity to go out there and shine and wow audiences. And of course, they build those programs through these tag matches. That's just the way that New Japan Pro Wrestling works. It's the way Japanese booking works. Um, and then February 11th is the big show. It's going to be the new beginning in Osaka IWGP junior heavyweight championship on the line as Ryusuke Taguchi is going to take on Taja Ishimori. Spoiler alert. Ishimori is going to retain. He's going to beat the ever loving piss out of Taguchi. Then we have a couple of big matches. Number one, Okada takes on Bad Luck Fale. They're building this through the tag match program. Of course, Fale kind of being the, the number two to Switchblade Jay White. And then the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Switchblade Jay White. And this is really the match that it comes time to talk about. Um, I think Jay White is going to take the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from the ace. And I don't think he's ready for that spot. Uh, this again, just even being in this position, we question, is he ready? You know, he just has that that feel of intercontinental champion for a while, but their hand has been kind of forced that they're 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 running low on, you know, main of true main event talent. And especially Gaijin. Remember, Japanese booking is built around the national hero beating up the Gaijin. That is the entire basis for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It, it, you know, to kind of lend to both sides of the argument here, you know, as I was talking about, they are really hammering home. Jay White is the youth that he would he would be the youngest one ever. Uh, and as you said, Tanahashi's looking old. I don't know if that's part of the dynamic. If that's the narrative they're trying to tell. But man, we just went through this where yeah, everyone had that moment for Kenny. They were really happy. But what it take all about forty eight hours is like okay, that's great. Now get the belt off of him. We want one of our guys to have it. Yep. And we finally just got it back to a, you know a homegrown, a, a native in the ace. It just seems so quick to pull the trigger on that. And I just i I feel like they're just replacing Kenny with Jay White. At, at least inside of the narrative, that's what they've done here is they've just replaced Kenny with the switchblade Jay White. And I just I don't feel like Jay is ready for that position at this point in his career. Well, if, if you're expecting him to fill the shoes of Kenny Omega, and even going back, you know, to the the post match interview, just, you know, at the match with uh, the ace Tanahashi and the farewell for uh, Kushida. Just in, you know, in White's promo, I mean, it's it just, it is very obvious. And I, all these people are, are, they're really high on the switchblade. And it really makes me wonder how closely they're following him. 
because even that promo was very weak. It's like he he had the, like the great points, but his delivery it just wasn't. It's not believable yet. He's the Kansas City Chiefs. If you just watch the highlights, they're the best team in football. But when you get down to the nitty gritty and you really start banging heads, it, you find out what they're all about. Yep. Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, let me so I, before we switch off of uh, of New Japan here. Quick question for you. It, it's something that just popped in my head, and it seems like a regular occurrence with them. I just I just never really thought about it. Their major shows are always during the week. It seems. Mm-hmm. Why not on weekends like we're used to? Um, because they do things on dates. It's it, it's not about trying to line things up with the weekend. It's that I know right now Wrestle Kingdom is going to be January 4th next year. It's about I know that Dominion is going to be on June 9th. I know that King of Pro Wrestling is going to be on October 11th. They do things around dates rather okay. than, you, you know what I mean? They, they treat things like holidays, you know, like Super Bowl Sunday. You know, we, we know that it's going to be on a Sunday and we can look at the calendar right now and tell you when it's going to be. Wrestle Kingdom is going to be on January 4th every year. So I can plan things out two well, years I mean, from now. Well, I know, but yeah, but even though with that, like we can always make a guess, sorry, like WrestleMania is that last Sunday in March, first one in April. Yeah, but. The, but, you know, the other events will move. But like, it just really made me like take notice here is like the final new beginning show, the big one here with Tanahashi and Jay White, it falls on a Monday. Yeah. And the other thing is they're Japanese. The weekend isn't a thing. They're Japanese. That's, that's what I was. That's what I was wondering. Like, is it just I mean, it's just not they don't have the, the importance placed on it that we see in the weekend or. I guess maybe we don't even have it so much anymore. I guess to a sense we do. But, I mean, hell, you go back, what, 20 years, 25 years in America, everything shut down on the weekend. Yeah, 9 to 5. Yeah, that was, that was, was, that was your That was your time, man. This was either, you know, family or the Lord. Yep. I mean, but now we've evolved where it's nonstop. Everything's on the go. It's it's rare to find anybody, you know, that that isn't have some kind of, you know, professional duties through the weekend. And I sure as hell with individuals like me and you, I mean, that was gone a long time ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Huggleberry, let's, uh, speaking of the weekend, I've got a new weekend tradition and it's every Friday night at 9 PM Eastern standard time. I tune my TV to access TV to watch the women of wrestling. And one of the women that I am seeing on there featured very, very heavily is a woman by the name of jungle girl. She is uh, one of the original women of wrestling going back to its original carnation and uh, i had a chance to sit down with her earlier this week and i'm gonna play it for everybody right now get ready to learn the, the laws of the jungle What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. 
presented by Hameen Media and in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but let's welcome in our guest. She comes to us by way of the Colombian Rainforest, a true world traveler and legend inside of the wrestling business, former IZW Women's Champion, two-time UPW Women's Champion, and former Women of Wrestling World Champion, Jungle Girl. Miss Jungle Girl, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Uh, now, Jungle Girl, before... You really did get into the history. Oh, yeah. I do my research, ma'am. I do my research. <laughs> I love it. Before we jump too far into what's going on inside of the Women of Wrestling WoW Superheroes right now, let's kind of go back to the beginning a little bit because your backstory just fascinates me. You were raised on the road moving throughout the world until finally settling off the coast of the Amazon rainforest. How in the world did you discover professional wrestling? Who was on top at the time? Who were some of your earliest influences inside of the business? Oh, wow. So I watched growing up, loving wrestling when I was growing up. I loved the athleticism. I loved the storytelling. I, I mean, I gravitated towards the Ricky Steamboats and the Superfly Snookas and loved Bobby Heenan. And um, I just, man, to me, it was fascinating. It was fascinating and it really took me away from not that my life was difficult or complex or, but it just, it allowed me to kind of fantasize and to get wrapped up in something that I I didn't enjoy soap operas. And it just brought kind of that soap opera feel that storytelling feel with the athleticism that I really loved. And, um, God, when I got involved, it was, purely accidental and it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Thank, thank God for accidents. And, um, you know, if you want to hear that story, that's a a whole other story, how I actually went to the wow um, audition and ended up getting my, uh, my start as jungle girl. Absolutely. We would love to hear that story. So I had, I was not interested at the time I was living in LA wasn't interested in actually pursuing an an acting career. I was, I had a mobile dance and gymnastics company and taught kids, worked with kids in dance and gymnastics and then worked as a trainer. So that was kind of my, that was what I thought was my gift and my, my path that I was taking. And so I had several different friends that spoke to me about this audition that they were holding for athletic women for a superhero show And it wasn't one or two, it was three different groups of friends that mentioned it to me. So I ended up going to the audition, which was in Marina Del Rey, California. And it was at this hotel and I walked, you know, up onto this um, kind of like the plaza of this hotel. And there were a lot of, you know, at the time Pam Anderson was really big and it was a lot of kind of Pam Anderson types. And now I'm not the Pam Anderson type. I'm the super athletic brunette wasn't really looking to go the pretty route. I just wanted to be a total badass, but had no idea that um, it was even for wrestling. So a producer came up to me and said, I think that you should stay. They took all of us into this kind of conference room of this hotel and showed us the video for wrestling, which at the time I had a friend that was wrestling for the WWE 
And so I was much more engaged with wrestling at that point in time in my life than I had been for years. And it blew me away. So it, McLean was there and a variety of other producers were there as well. And some of the investors. And I just said, man, how cool, how cool would this be? So I did the audition and it was months before I heard back from them. But when I did, they offered me a job and told me that I could keep my day job and that, you know, they would work with us intensely in the ring and train us to be wrestlers. And I thought, this is the coolest thing I think that's ever happened to me. And lo and behold, I, you know, embarked on this journey that would uh, bring me still to this day, loving the business and loving everything about it and learning more and more about it every day. That's just an incredible story. It was awesome. It really was. Very cool. Well, and then you have really taken off inside of the WOW Superheroes. On August 26th of 2016, you capture the WOW Championship from then-champion Lana Starr, a title that you had been chasing for quite a while there. Uh, what did it mean to you to be called? a long time, man. <laughs> what did it that mean to you started. to finally claim that championship and hold the WOW Superheroes Championship? You know, it's funny because somebody asked me that the other day and I can still remember standing in that ring when McLean held my hand up and the emotion that went over me. And, you know, they put my son up on the Jumbotron and, and he responded to me winning. And it was one of those when life kind of comes full circle and you know, you're on the journey and the journey was never really, it, it didn't matter at the time, you know, when I was doing everything, I'm like, you know, whether I'm champion or not, this is really an awesome gig. It's incredible to be living this. I mean, it's, it's living a dream. It's going out, it's being larger than life. It's having, you know, an audience. It's, it's getting the opportunity to, to kind of merge all of the things that you loved so much about, fitness and about, um, center stage. And, but when, man, when he held my hand up, I was, I really, really, really was overrun with emotion. The tears are legit. The feeling was so surreal and extraordinary. And there's, I think that's probably my greatest in-ring moment to date. It's an incredible moment. You can find it online and, and you can just tell that you are so overcome by that moment. And it's one of those things that inside of professional wrestling, we try to fabricate so often. It was great to see that genuine, authentic moment inside of the ring. Thank you. It really was. And uh, yeah, it really, it, it truly was. And it's, you know, it's an honor. It's an honor to hold that belt. And, you know, it, it, it comes with a level of responsibility. It comes with a level of trust from the company. And it's um, still to this day, it's, you know, it was an honor to have, have held that title. And, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in hot pursuit right now, man, <laughs> for, that, for that championship belt. 
Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk all about it here. Uh, let, let's jump forward just a little bit to September of 2016. You would defend the championship against Chloe Hertz, retain the championship. It's a fantastic match. All the momentum in the world behind you when suddenly you're forced to defend the championship in a triple threat match against Miss Santana Garrett, as well as the Beverly Hills Babe, Miss Amber O'Neill. That night, Santana would capture the championship by pinning Amber O'Neill, leaving yourself the former champion who was never beaten for the title. We've seen the video of how devastating that loss was to you as well. Can you put that dreadful night in September into words? You know, you try to put things in perspective. Emotions are going. You're offered this opportunity you know, I'm thinking, okay, certainly I can defend the belt against two other people. I'm, you know, I'm not going to back down. I certainly can handle myself in the ring. And you, you, you're not thinking about the nuance of it all that, listen, it doesn't have to be you that gets pinned in order to lose it. So, you know, it's, it's, those thoughts are not going through my head. My thought is no one's going to pin me. I'll be the person that's pinning somebody else. So when you're watching something that you built and that you worked so hard for, you know, over the course of 13 years to get to that moment where my hand was raised by McLean to just lose it in an instant is devastating. I mean, it's, it's heart wrenching and it's heart wrenching when you know that you're not the one that got pinned. I mean, I would have almost rather have been pinned myself than to have, lost it by somebody else being pinned. Yeah. I mean, at least then you could accept the outcome. Well, I don't know about it accepted, but I mean, I think I would be equally pissed off, but at least then the responsibility lies on me. Right. Valid. Valid. Well, now let's jump forward a little bit more and bring it to things a bit more current. While Women of Wrestling debuted on January 18th, 2019 on Access TV, and you find yourself in the main event of the debut episode, finally getting your one-on-one title shot at Miss Santana Garrett. And the match is interrupted by the debuting Tessa Blanchard, who also wants a shot at Miss Garrett for the championship. Jungle Girl, what, what are your thoughts on Tessa joining the women of WOW and this unfortunate turn of events? Listen, I have a lot of respect for Tessa Blanchard. I have a lot of respect for the legacy uh, behind her name. But what I don't respect is somebody that's coming in and interrupting somebody else's opportunity. You know, it's just, it's, it's uncalled for. It's, I'm always getting, you know, somebody's always having to get in the middle, right? I mean, nobody, this is how I feel about it. I don't think that there's anybody that really wants to face me in the ring. I really don't. And I think that's the reason that there's always chaos and confusion you know, when, when I have a match, because God forbid somebody actually go one-on-one against me. And, you know, whether it's Santana defending that title, she's probably thrilled at the fact that Tessa came in and created chaos. Cause by all means you but, had uh, her dead to rights. No, I'm pissed. Of course, of course I would have beat her. I would have gotten the one, two, three, and I would have gotten my championship belt back. But Tessa had to come in and interfere because Tessa wants what she wants and she's not willing to go through the proper channels to get what it is that she wants. And you know what? That's fine. And I hope, I hope that she knows what she's up against. 
That's a matchup that I greatly look forward to when it comes up. And then, of course, after the matchup, we saw another of your fellow superheroes come into the ring, and the two of you seemingly have an issue arising as the Beast makes her presence known after the match, and things got very intense between the two of you. Talk to us a little bit about this oh, looming matchup between yourself and the Phenom known as the Beast. Well, the Beast, views herself as, as being, um, undefeatable. There's not a single person that could match up against her and give her a run for her money. Well, I would love to give her a run for her money. I mean, I would love to get my hands on her because she too is a little meddler and doesn't want to follow the, the proper channels to try to get what it is that she wants. She feels like she can just come in and interfere and, and bully her way to the top. And uh, listen, I don't need to cheat. I don't need to play games. You want to match with me? Call me out. I'll get in the ring. So now it seems that you have this issue arising between yourself and, and you have the beast and you have Santana Garrett and you have Tessa Blanchard. I, I guess the logical question would be if I'm sitting in Mr. David McLean's chair and I come to you and I say, which one of these women do you want first? Because obviously you want to get your hands on all three of them. Which one do you want to take your shot at first? Well, I mean, but you know what I want, right? I mean, everybody else is insignificant. They want to, they will want to match. That's fine. I want the title. So first and foremost, I want to get back what is rightfully mine. So my first, you know, I, I want Santana. Then you want to come and you want to, you want to pick a fight with me? Fine. I'll wrestle whomever they put in front of me at that point in time. But my objective is not to to go out and be a schoolyard bully to try to get what it is that I want. Everybody knows what I want. Everybody knows that what I want is that wow championship belt undeniably. And so whomever has it is the person that I want to be in the ring with. And then if everybody else wants the championship belt, then let's book a match. Let's get it together. Let's go out and let's do it right but you want to come in and interfere and, and, you know, I mean, come on. So they're cowards. Basically they're all cowards. Well, I can tell you this. I'm sitting in, in the middle of Cedar Rapids, Iowa in a, in a snowstorm right now, as we speak, and I don't want any part of jungle girl. I can't imagine that anybody else does. <laughs> I, I I'm feeling well, intimidated and I'm just on the other end of the phone. Wow, I don't have beef with you. Well, let's let let's hope that I can keep it that way. Uh, Jungle Girl, one <laughs> final thing that I, I I wanted to ask you about. Uh, obviously, you've been with Wow now for quite a, a period of time. What does this mean to you as an OG Wow Girl to see Wow hitting this national platform, Access TV, the first all women show airing after New Japan Pro Wrestling on Mr. Cuban's network? Can you kind of 
try to put all of this into a, a, a capsule for us and, and tell us the the emotions surrounding the debut and, and this incredible run that not only yourself, but also the WoW superheroes are on. I think that it's a matter of timing. I think it's about time that women's wrestling is taking, taken seriously. I think that the respect that I have for David McLean and Jeannie Buss that had a vision of what they wanted this company to look like and how it wanted it to be presented um, and have come together with Access TV in a beautiful way. Access has been on board with David's vision, which he was unrelenting. I mean, he just was unwilling to compromise in his vision that both he and Jeannie had. Um, I think that it has evolved to an even just more substance and um, a, a higher quality product, which Access TV has been able to to bring to us. I mean, to me, watching the first episode, and that was the first time I watched it. None of us had watched prior to that. I was blown away. I mean, completely blown away. And, you know, it's really difficult to be able to kind of put together in a, in a one hour package, not only top notch wrestling, but in addition to that, to, to bring the stories of each one of the characters to life. I mean, that's a, that's a huge um, accomplishment, I think. And I think what we offer is so different that, than anything that's out there on the market right now. And I think that you know, you'll have your, your purest of pure wrestling fans engaged and interested. And I think that what we will be able to do is capture an audience that nobody else has been able to capture because they just have not paid attention to the detail of each one of the characters in addition to the wrestling. And I, I commend um, McLean and Jeannie and Access TV for putting together such an incredible product. And I'm proud. I am incredibly proud and honored to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I'm incredibly honored that David is as loyal as he is. He could have said, hey, you know, there's really no place for you. Right now we're moving kind of on and, and forward with the company. And um, he's a loyalist. And he's true to his word. And he said, you know, what he said to me over the years and, and made it happen. And I could not be more proud. Well, I can tell you that as the father of three young women, um, I'm very much enjoying WoW Superheroes on Access TV. It's it's become Friday night family viewing for all of us. And it's great, especially for my five-year-old, to watch all these incredibly powerful women performing at this incredibly That's high awesome. level. Uh, Jungle Girl, we, we would like to thank you very, very much for joining us today. Why don't you tell the peeps, thank the freaks... You so much and the geeks how to find yourself and to follow the wow superheroes across social media. So wow superheroes can be found at wowe.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Wow superheroes. And you can follow me. Wow. Underscore jungle girl, as well as at indoor and just so everybody knows, it's Jungle Girl, G-R-R-R-L, three yes. R's, and girl. Exactly right. Jungle Girl, thank you so much for joining us today. Keep in touch. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk again soon.
Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Where did you go? Down Virginia, cross a bridge of love. A lot like Leviathan. Travel the coast, but I was tied to the whipping post. So I'm getting high again. Where did you go? Down Virginia, cross a bridge of love. A lot like Leviathan. Travel the coast, but I was tied to the whipping post. So I'm getting high again. Sinking boat, soft sounds of violin. Followed the ghost and was delivered from the shadows of all that I was hiding in. Where did you go? Down the river in a sinking boat, soft sounds of violin. Followed the ghost and was delivered from the shadows of all that I was hiding in. Where did you go? Down Virginia, cross a bridge of love. A lot like Leviathan Travel the coast But I was tied to the whipping post So I'm getting high again Where did you go? Down Virginia, cross a bridge of love A lot like Leviathan Travel the coast But I was tied to the whipping post So I'm getting high again Huckleberry. So we're back for segment 